Now on the Innovation Show, we welcome Nicholas Jansen, co-founder of Blinkist. Welcome to the show, Nicholas. Thanks for having me. You know, we have on our phones six to ten apps that we go to every day. For me, Blinkist is one of those apps. The ease of use, the utility of it, the fact that it sifts through the noise of all the books out there and it gives you the signal and gives you the book that you want to purchase thereafter is fantastic. It's a credit to you and your team. Thank you. I'm really happy to hear that Blinkist has an impact on your life and that you like to use it on a daily basis. Nicholas, it would be great to hear the story about how you and the other co-founders came up with this app. Well, it's quite a long story. So um, Blinkist was started by three friends plus me, and we studied together. And during university, we already kind of like discussed the idea of it would be cool if someone would summarize all these cool books that we want to read, but we didn't have time for, and just give us kind of like the key insight so that we can engage with those ideas without spending too much time on reading them because we didn't have the time. Um, But um, after graduation, we all went kind of like working proper jobs. But after a year, more or less, we came back saying, hey, like the corporate world is not our world. We want to start a company again because we founded a company back then as students and said, hey, what about this idea of of summarizing nonfiction books? Because at the same time, we realized that there was a shift towards mobile. So this was like like 2011, so it was still iPhone 3G. Apps were around, but not that popular as today. And we saw that people spent more and more time reading on their phones. And we thought, okay, look, people, the reading habits are changing. People kind of like built new habits, how to consume information. But it seems that the formats that um, are actually in place haven't really catched up. So we thought, hey, this idea that people want to tap into the knowledge of books and want to read more books and the, the shifting reading behavior that seems like a perfect opportunity for us to, to kind of like build a new product. And this is how Blinkist came along. So we thought it would be cool if we take the key insights from nonfiction books, translate them into a format that is native to mobile devices, and then can kind of like work around an app that presents the knowledge in a really smart and um, engaging way. Um, and this is how we started. And this is like more or less four years ago. Uh, we have learned a ton since then. Um, I think like one of the big steps in terms of product was that we we started as text and then we we launched audio two years ago and this is a thing when it really took off because even if people like the idea of getting key insights from non-fiction books in a very efficient format um, reading is still still takes a lot of time and and audio makes this even more convenient and people can listen to to uh, can learn something new while while on the go while commuting in a car yeah i think the audio is a key piece nicholas because you're catering for people you're maximizing their time while they're doing other tasks. You mentioned on the commute. You mentioned you can also download the stuff. So you can download the content for if you're on the subway and you don't have connection. So you've thought of every use case, but the key piece is the audio as we move more and more towards this screenless world. And you're in this perfect positioning from an acquisition from Audible via Amazon or some player like that. Absolutely. And um, I think it's interesting that um, we have seen a shift in in the behaviors as well. Like when we launched audio, more, most of our customers would still opt in for a text, but we see that more and more of our customers go audio only. So in the beginning it was like audio, text only, then text and audio together, and now it's kind of like moving towards audio audio only, which definitely is a very important piece of our strategy as well. That we want to we are going to invest in audio, build new features, and yeah, that's part of the plan. The audio is such a key piece, Nicholas, but it goes deeper than just being an audiobook. It's the fact that you save us having to listen to a full audiobook because we all come across those books that we read and we go, okay, well, you made the point in the first chapter or even in the introduction for the book, yet 
had to persevere 10 or 12 or 15 chapters of repeating that message over and over. And you have a team of researchers that seem to nail it every single time and get to the point of what this book is about, what are the key takeaways, and what can I learn quickly. And also to qualify, should I buy that book? And I'm sure people buy more and more of those books, but I'd love to, if you would share, how do you do that? How do you sift? Because you must have a great team of researchers that are behind the scenes giving us the top knowledge from each of these books. Definitely. And this is mostly done by, to be honest, it's mostly done by a network of freelance experts sitting around the world. Um, So one of our main jobs is to find all these smart people all around the world that are capable of summarizing a book or like kind of like distilling the keen from a book, nonfiction book and kind of like find them, onboard them, train them and keep them happy because obviously they do like a major part of, of the value creation for us. And we, we thought it would be, it make sense to kind of like outsource this to a freelance network because like, so we have like access to a lot of different experts that probably are like, they have different, they have other jobs, like they are PhDs, they're coaches, trainers, consultants, and for them, summarizing a book or like distilling the insights from a nonfiction book is kind of like a really intellectual challenge for them. So they really like what they do there. And we probably would never have been able to get all these people in our payroll. So the, the network um, is really one valuable asset for us. The, the interesting thing is it does come across as a non-German product. So it doesn't come across at all from as, as a founded by a team of four non-English speakers like you're a non-English speaker. Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, I know from my, my in-depth research, Nicholas, but uh, it comes across as a very American product. And it's funny, it, it's the positioning of the product as a very global product, but also it just shows you the value of the, the selected audio, the narrators that you've chosen for the product because it gives it this real global appeal. Um, like the team itself, like the, the founders are all from Germany, but the team is very international. So we have, I didn't count, but I think like probably like 12 different nationalities. Obviously, there are a lot of like, there are like probably five or six Americans um, and four or five British people on board. And I think this is one thing I hear quite often is that people don't really realize that we are a German company. So we are based in Berlin. And for a lot of people from the outside, it seems that we are like an American company, probably from New York or San Francisco. And that is because most of our communication is targeted towards international markets, mainly U.S. and U.K., um, and it's done by native speakers from the U.S. and Great Britain. But it's a very clever tactic because if you focus just on the German market to begin with, like most people would focus on their local market to get a test bed, but you went wide and you went with obviously one of the most widely spoken languages with English, but also with American and English markets like you did, but do you also have um, more localized content? Absolutely. Um, we have German content too, and, um, but probably as, a, as an English speaker, you will never see the German content. But it makes sense. And we, I think most of our narrators are from the US, actually, and yeah, give the product a really international feeling. And Nicholas, how does it work with a publisher? Do you contact the publisher and ask for a specific genre or a catalog or back catalog? How does that all work? And because and, I'm sure for me, it actually helps book sales. It doesn't. It's not a cannibalization of book sales. It actually helps. So how does that whole partnership work? So I think like first of all, what's really important to understand is that we we don't intend to replace the book. So the way we think about Blinkist is that we want to offer a bridge between no book and a book. So we we saw what I mentioned before that we saw that a lot of people 
kind of like are interested in books, but didn't, didn't have time or motivation to read them. So the knowledge was kind of like out of touch for them. Um, in terms of, of rights, we, we have relationships with, relationships with all major publishers. It can be very different in terms um, how the relationship is. But I think what we always tell them is that Blink is actually creating a new market for nonfiction books because it's not that people just read the key insights and then they're done, but a lot of people actually start reading more books afterwards because they discover books they haven't thought about, they didn't hear, didn't hear about before. And Blinkers serves as a tool to really discover books and then really make sure that the key insights resonate with you, that you say, all right, cool, that's a, t that's a book I'm, that's worth reading. I'm going to dedicate like some time and, and read the whole book afterwards. Well, if you ever need a testimonial, that's exactly what Blinkist does for me. You mentioned it's a bridge between a book and no book. But it, it, for me, it, what it's done is it's gone and, and filtered the world of books because there's so much publishing in the world today. It's gone out and not only it's picked the right books or it's, it's given me a section of a targeted section of books that I will enjoy, but it's also helped me almost pre-review, try before I buy each of these books while getting the key insights. And then when you actually go and read the book deep learning-wise, when you actually delve into the book, you really pick out that knowledge and internalize it. Absolutely. I think this is what we hear a lot of times that people actually even buy more books after, uh, since using Blinkist. And you probably have seen that we offer a link to purchase the full book after um, finishing the, the key insights. Um, so you can either buy it on Amazon or on iBooks, depending on which device you are on. We've had some really great entrepreneurs and founders and CEOs on the show. And we had Ash Moyer on, author of, of Running Lean and also founder of Lean Stack. And, and Ash was saying, love your problem. Don't go looking for a solution. Dennis Mortensen, CEO and founder of X.ai, keeps what he calls a hate list of all his problems that he wants to solve in the world. This is what I love about you. And it's typical entrepreneur stuff. You're, you and your four founders had a problem. You had too much knowledge in the world. You wanted somebody to summarize them. You wanted to make it in the easy way. And you've created this platform that does it in an easy way, but also you've obsessed on the user experience. So yes, you want to read it. We've summarized that. We've taught it that tick. Yes, you want to listen to it in a short bite-sized chunks. We've done that tick. Yes, you have no connection and you want to listen to it on your commute to work. Boom, we have that downloadable as well. And you've thought of every, every aspect. What were you guys studying when you were in college? Um, I studied business. One of my co-founders, he studied business too. And the other two, one is a psychologist um, and the, third one, the, the fourth one is a developer, like an engineer. Well, that makes sense because that comes across in the content that you guys choose. Yeah, I think like business was the first, the first niche we, we were targeting. We thought, okay, like probably the typical consultant or young professional is a perfect target customer because they have all the problems we had and we could like really empathize with them because we have been in the same situation. Um, and we thought, okay, they're, they're willing to pay for the product. And because monetization was really important from day one for us, we always said, okay, if we want to prove the model, we have to monetize it. It's not a model where we can just like get millions of users and then figure out later how we want to monetize them with advertisement or something else. Um, and that's why we focused a lot of, on business in the first place. But since then, Blinkist has become much broader. So I think we have the broadest variety of content on Blinkist these days from still business, but there's like a lot of self-productivity, um, health, nutrition, mindfulness, uh, happiness, even science and history, politics. So you can really get everything these days at Blinkist. Yeah, I've noticed that, Nick, because there's a much wider 
variety on Blinkist these days, and you can certainly notice it's gone beyond business and startup uh, books. Where is the future? What does the future hold for Blinkist? Hopefully, growing. That's 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 the that's the idea, right? So um, th I think what you said before, like like you said it very nicely, but I, obviously Blinkist is growing. We we really grow internationally in a lot of markets, and I think this is our major plan right now. Kind of like um, build a Blinkist brand, um, make it like more known, more successful, um, increase our audience, increase our customer base, add more content, um, improve the product. So as I said, like audio is a big, big um, focus topic for us, but as well. I'm thinking about new ways how we can engage customers, and um, that's that's basically it. Like I think it's like very similar to a lot of startups. It's it's growth on the one side and improving your product on the other side, which go hand in hand in, at some point. You know, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on the show was many people say to me, "Oh, I just don't have the time to read," or "I have a stack of books on my bedside locker that I never get through," or "I have all these books up in my attic that I never get to read. I just don't have the time." and there's always an option. And when, when there's tools out there like Blinkist that can just make life easier for you and, and accommodate your lifestyle or your lack of time, people should know about that because it's a fantastic product to cater for everybody's busy lifestyle. Uh, like really, thank you very much. That's like sounds, it sounds really great. Um, but I think that's, that's true. And it's like one thing I realized is that there is never no time. It's always a choice you make yourself. And, I think it's totally fine if you prioritize other things more important than, than reading books or learning, but uh, you should never use no time as an excuse to not doing things. But be, be sure that's your pro that you are that you're sure about your priorities and stick to them. Yeah, because some of those exact same people will sift through the news feed on, on Facebook for hours on end or watch Kim Kardashian jump around about nothing. So the choice is theirs. Yeah, it's fine too, right? If you like Kim Kardashian, go 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 watch her videos. That's that's. I don't I don't judge. Yeah, you can turn the sound off on the Kardashians and put on a Blinkist audiobook at the same time and multitask. Obviously, I would like everyone who watches watches a Kim Kardashian video to use Blinkist, but um, we're working on that. Okay, man. Well, we'll leave it with that uh, lofty goal. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Nicholas Jansen, co-founder of Blinkist. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much.